You're listening to. And you're listening to the Collabcast, a podcast about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian American perspective. The sweet sounds of Alpha wash all over you. Welcome to the Collabcast. I'm Marvin Ye. I'm Mindy Chang. And we are uh, your source for Asian American and pop culture weekly news. I'm like, that's not my usual intro. What am I doing? It's, I know. I was saying you're getting really creative it's there. It's Monday, July the 10th. 2017. Um, how's it going, everybody? Um, it's episode 128. 128. Is that a um, is that an auspicious number? I'm not sure. It has an eight in it. So anything with eight, I say yes. <laughs> We're just gonna go with it. We are coming at you. It's just it's a Marvin and Minji cast, Eminem cast today, um, because um, <laughs> Minji decided to take a last minute trip out to Chicago for collaboration. Chicago. We are now in separate states once again. Yeah, <laughs> Minji's coming at us through the magic of Skype, um, which um, you sound lovely today. Oh yay! I'm so glad. No, we really. I mean, Skype, thank you. And please sponsor us. <laughs> well, Skype is Microsoft. So yes, Microsoft, please. Yes, Microsoft. We <laughs> welcome your sponsorship. How's anyway. um Yeah, you were, you're in Chicago for the Collaboration Chicago Showcase. Um, the Collaboration um, Showcase series, of course, is Collaboration's bread and butter um, legacy series. Um, this, this podcast is a part of the Collaboration movement, um, supporting Asian American artists all around the nation. And you were there watching the best and brightest of Chicago's Asian American talent perform on stage. How was that? It was so good. I was actually, uh, I realized how long it had been since I came to Chicago because well, that, last year, last, last year I went and you didn't go. Yeah, right? you went and yeah. I didn't go. And then the year before that, I missed the show, which was our hundredth show. Oh yeah. I had the <laughs> collaboration show ever. And I missed that because, well, at the time I was like, what was it? American airlines? I, think I had we, like, yeah, we talked about this on the pod like two years ago. I think yeah, <laughs> I had a massive like hissy fit. I was just really devastated just because that was such an important show. Yeah, to, to and miss. You, you also had the trophy on with you. Um, I know. And basically, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, your 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 flight had been delayed like for hours, right? Like you didn't show up yeah. until the after party. Yeah, I got there. I was I was held up in Dallas for many 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 hours, and then I I thought it was like the airline's fault, so. I took to Twitter, which I rarely do, and I just went off on them. And then later I found out there was this massive nationwide delay because I think it was like a computer issue oh. that delayed all flights everywhere. And it started actually on the East Coast. So low-key apologize no, for my no, Twitter man. rant. They, but should, they should plan for these things and have contingencies. I feel like, yeah, airlines, they just like – Things go wrong, and I don't think the, the staff is even trained for what how to react. And that's how you get all these We're, like really terrible stories happening all over the place. Right. No. Okay. Now I remember. Sorry, I'm like reliving all of it again. I wasn't. I was. I was angry, obviously, to miss the show, but I also thought that they handled it really poorly, just because they were not communicating anything to the people waiting that yeah. was just, like we're just literally sitting ducks and we're like what is happening 
Is the plane broken? <laughs> is it the computer? Like if they had explained, you know, like there would have been some yeah. level of like, well, this sucks, but okay, w- what can we do? And this There's is no not, communication yeah. at all. We're just like, why aren't we where we're supposed to be, what we <laughs> paid for? And this is not like a, an indictment on airline workers. We love you. Thank you for getting yes, it to go. <laughs> but I have Jeez. a – like. Like there's a lot of things that you see in the news and even our Except personal United. experiences where like you know we have <laughs> um where like all it takes is like a little bit of customer service and yeah. all your problems go away. Like maybe instead of like going automatically into cover your ass mode, think about the customer experience and I mean, maybe you wouldn't that's have some kind of the press. universe we're living in right now. I think every company in general has to really wrap their head around that. Yeah. That that should be their 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 basic MO. But um I don't know. Like they, there could have been something at least again very minimal and just let people know. So we're educating everybody who's ever <laughs> worked anywhere. <laughs> just a little communication goes a long way and everyone's like, "Oh, that's totally fine. That's understandable. I get it." And they're not going to cuss you out on Twitter. Yeah. The more you know shooting stuff. <laughs> but back to the show. How was um how's the town this year in um, in Chicago? Oh, so good. It was it was really different. I feel like I, I mean, it's the settings are different. Um, our collaboration shows we've been evolving over the years, obviously. And before we used to always occupy these like really big auditorium style theaters. Um, but this year, the it was at Shuba's Tavern, which is like a bar. You know, just like it has a, it has a concert hall a pretty, in the back. It's a pretty famous venue. Um, Jason Mraz plays there. Yeah. 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 It's like a national land. I had no idea. It's like a big deal, <laughs> uh, which is also always fun to like be part of that yeah. larger legacy, I guess, of one musicians of my favorite, and artists. Uh, one of my favorite live albums from Jason Mraz was him. It's Jason Mraz at Shuba's. It's really good. Shut up. Yeah. I want to hear. I love Jason Mraz. And I, I feel really bad because I kept calling it Scuba's. <laughs> Scuba's. <laughs> Well, it's like you have a C there. If it's Scooby-Doo. Shuba's, then why, why why would you why wouldn't you just do SH? I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> how dare you? Um, how dare you I be smirched? Punked. You got punked. I, okay, so I have a funny story because I completely got punked uh-huh. at the show. Um, so while I was there, you know, I was meeting everybody. Whenever I go to collaboration shows, I, I get, I'm getting old now, so I get really really tired. But I wanted to meet all the staff, and it'd been a minute since I'd been there. So, you know, I got there early and everyone's setting up and I'm, you know, re- reuniting with people and uh-huh. meeting new staff and things like that. So, of course, once again, the, the trophy is in my possession. It is my responsibility. I transported it from L.A. to I, Chicago. I hand delivered it to you from the trophy shop. I know. And so I, I had it. And then, um, you know, I was saying hi to everybody. And then, of course, the show starts and um I was also responsible for, you know, getting photos and getting social media, right? So I'm in the back. I was with Marion, our our uh, former Collaboration Chicago executive director. She was executive director 2011, 2012. 20, like, she was for a number of years, but she's a good friend of mine. Now she's a jet-setting MMA Brazilian jiu-jitsu master. Basically, yeah. <laughs> she And she, oh my God, I wish she could be on this podcast because she would go off. She enlightened me with how much collaboration changed her life and it got me all all the feels um because and then okay so i i went to i set the trophy down it was wrapped in that styrofoam thingy so you couldn't see what it was but i set it on the table way in the back back corner so that i could go get some video for the instagram story take some photos of the performances right Uh uh-huh and then i come back and it's gone 
And then I was like, I swear to God, I left it here. Like, it was like, you know, every, you know, Marv, like when it's showtime, you're going like a million miles an hour. Yeah. I don't actually didn't. Right. So I was like, now I'm starting to backtrack and I was like, okay, I swear I put this down because I was now like questioning my sanity. And I was like, <laughs> I had it right. Like I put it down. And so later I start wandering around. Um, this was right before intermission that I put it down. And so intermission pulls, uh, they are selling pizza. It's kind of chaotic. It's a bar. People are drinking. And I'm looking everywhere and asking everyone. Mind you, I kept it pretty cool, even though they all say that I was freaking out. I was not. Um, I think you, I have, was, you kind of just have a manic energy around you at all times. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Shut up. <laughs> Personal <laughs> so yeah, experience. Fine, whatever. Yeah. 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 Well, I have like I have high my adrenaline's up. That's the best way I can describe it. My, <laughs> my adrenaline's up. So then, um, anyway, I went up and down the stairs. There's like multi levels. I was just looking, 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 and Marion kept like I kept asking the staff, and they were like, "I didn't see it. Oh my gosh, where did it go?" You see, this and is this is Mar- only possible because you've done this so many times. I did it once. <laughs> like that was Toronto. That's the only time I've actually really done it. Every time I've been very, very responsible. <laughs> And the the last Chicago show was not my fault. That was the airline's fault. <laughs> so anyway, long story short, she like I get where did where did we come back to like the pizza corner, and I'm really now I'm starting to really freak out. Uh-huh. And then Marion turns around. She's been following me with a camera, and that should have been my first. But then she's a vlogger, you know. So I didn't really think. And I was like, Marion, can you not film me? Because she was just filming everything. Uh-oh. She was filming. Uh, Everybody coming in and getting photos. So I, I should have like, known. Mary is like the trickster god. She's just like she is. I completely <laughs> forgot. And oh my god, she completely got me. And we got to the. And I'm really starting to like, <laughs> like what the? And I'm starting to get mad. I'm like, what kind of asshole like steals a trophy? <laughs> I was like, did one of the attendees steal this? Like, what the hell? Why would you do that? This is a collaboration show. And I got really like inwardly upset and then she she starts laughing she turns around she pulls out the trophy from like her butt she had it <laughs> tucked in her in her short underneath her like thing that she had over her shirt and i was like i hate you <laughs> and everyone started laughing at me like the whole staff was in on oh, it she told everybody i'm so glad Ugh. this is on video we're gonna post it on our collaboration youtube no for oh the my whole God. world i'm gonna have such a like horrible stressed out face <laughs> But yes, I admit it. I got totally punked. Nice. Congratulations to Collaboration Chicago. Mary's lucky that that like you love her. And yes. But <laughs> if that was me, I'd probably be murdered by now. I would have pummeled you in front of everybody. <laughs> like, why would you do that to me? And then yeah, that was pretty funny. So that's mm. my story. <laughs> awesome. Uh, no, it's not. It was stressful. Well, congrats Ugh. to the Collaboration Chicago winner. Um, let me pull up his name. Austin Valencia. Austin Valencia. Um, looking forward to seeing you in LA. But uh, yeah, let's get it. Let's it, because it's just us this week. I thought we'd dive into the mailbox later on for a future segment because of the aforementioned um, emails that I've been missing from our fans. Yeah. Um, yes. But before we get to that, um, our, we always open up our show with a roundtable discussion on what's going on in the world of pop culture and what's on our minds. So uh, what's on your mind, Minji? What are you into? Ulta. You watched it, finally. I did. Finally, I we finally could talk watched it. About the adorable super pig. And um, oh, um, I don't know if we want to go into spoilers. I guess we can like mildly. Let's just talk about our thoughts. 
I don't think we need it. Okay. I mean. Well, there's one. Sp- okay. Yeah. There, there would be one thing that I would totally spoil. <laughs> All right. But... Spoiler alert there. And that's, a, that's, you... a, that's a really big spoiler. Maybe I won't talk about it. But well. I don't know. What's a, what's, a, what's a respectful amount of time before we are like, okay, enough people have watched it if we spoil I it? I don't then... know. I feel like. It's the type of movie I feel like if even if you know what's going on, you should still watch it because it is I feel like it's a magical film in a lot of ways yeah. that's worth experiencing. And even going in knowing like some of the more nasty stuff about it, um, I still enjoyed it quite a bit. Um I still understood the message and um was able to I don't know, I feel like um how about this? When we get to the point where you, you want to talk about your spoiler, um, we'll just give a big, long um, kind of break. Like, if you want to skip ahead five minutes, okay. um, do so. so yeah, because <laughs> I want to talk about it. All right. But Okja, it's the movie by, um, oh, what's his name? Bong something something. Um, let me look I want to say it correctly. Yeah. Uh, it is the same director as Snowpiercer. Yeah. And The Host. Did you ever watch The Host? I did well, not. It's, it's a monster movie, so I. Bong Joon Ho. Yeah, Bong Joon Ho. Sorry, <laughs> I don't know why. You're you're fine. <laughs> that was better than Thor. I went into that accent <laughs> like instinctively. Um, yeah, he um he directed the host, which was like the monster movie, um, and he directed Snowpiercer, and now he directed Okja. And Okja is similar with the host, where she has a strong female kid lead, which is really really awesome. Um, but yeah, it's a story of a girl and her super pig. Yeah, and it's just really about the world and the environment and corporate capitalism and everything and how we spin things and PR and science. And I was just like, oh, this is so great. <laughs> but, you know, I guess for me, I have a different lens to look through everything because it's Korean. You know, right. it's half in Korean. Um, and... Steven Yoon's in it, and he's just so adorable. <laughs> I was just—that's <laughs> what I I love about this movie. Was like this is like an international film done right. It just isn't like a yes. film meant for like Asian audiences and pandering. This is like an actual movie that's set both in the states and in Korea with both Korean and American actors who are Korean and American characters. And I feel like that was something that like I don't think I've seen done well like ever. Yeah. You know? I think this is like, you know, the emergence of this new frontier where, you know, people have attempted and, you, you know, it takes some sometimes it just takes a few times to get it right. Yeah. But um, this was really well done. And I, you know, I felt myself being less trying to prepare myself not to cringe kind of feeling. Yeah. This isn't uh, like I think, putting Matt Damon in ancient China. This is like just a movie about how the world is now global. Right. Right. It was very well done. And, like, I think it's definitely obviously, like, a satire on a lot of things. But Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of over-the-topness. But I thought that it was done very well. Yeah. And that's hard to balance. I don't know. I just can get into, like, film critiquing (laughs) mode of, like, you you want people to laugh. Yeah. I mean, the director talked about how it's inspired by, like, Miyazaki films. And I think he pulled off, like, the mixing in kind of Disney-esque aspects of of um, a Miyazaki film with like the real world really really well like you really really believe that this like obviously there's no super pigs in real life but you want to believe that this this one exists because it's so but they do that that's okay that's the other part I don't know Miyazaki films well enough to comment on that mm-hmm. but just the the lengths to which they went and th- it's just mind-boggling what I mean, we're very spoiled because we've grown up in this world where they've done increasing like every I feel like every month they're getting better with CGI right uh-huh. but 
it really kind of takes you to a different universe where the super pig is so real. And that's what I was fascinated by as like an actor. I was like, how would, how did they make this? Cause the way that they interact with the pig and all that, like Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, character is insane. And he's <laughs> like a complete lunatic and, yeah. but it was great. And like, I, I was just like, how did, you know, you're interacting with this pig. And um, so I was, I watched this with my girlfriend and her, her mom. And she was like pointing out all like, I, I guess there are a lot of really famous Korean actors in this movie too. I didn't know that. Yeah, like apparently that. the dude who plays um the um the corporate guy from Korea, he's like yeah. famous for playing bad guys in dramas. He's really good. <laughs> I really I really I just enjoyed it. Again, I I felt very blessed to understand both. I don't I I felt like I was just in this like very Yeah. I read a lot of things saying that it the film is infinitely more funny if you are like if you understand both Korean and English. Yes, uh, because of Stephen Young's character. <laughs> and the one funny thing, because I watched it with Marion, and like we stayed up watching that, and <laughs> I was the obnoxious like commentator. Uh-huh. Sometimes I'm I'm real. I'm not the same at every movie. I'm not always saying stuff. I can be very quiet and respectful, but this it's just her and me, and I just kept commenting throughout the entire film. But I was commenting in Konglish, <laughs> like I would I would freak out in Korean. And I'd be like, oh, my, my. you know, like I was <laughs> cursing Korean too. So uh, cover your ears if you don't, if you know, I was like, yeah, you take yeah. Like I was like cursing at this, the, the, the guy in Korean. And then if you go into English, I was like, what the hell's wrong with him? Like run. <laughs> it was such an international journey for me as, as an, as a viewer. So was, was, really was the joke that Steven Yeun's character's Korean was just really bad? It wasn't that bad. I mean, it's definitely not Korea fluent, but <laughs> I was impressed. I was but like, it was, hey. It was, was something about the translation, right? Like the, the subtitles yeah. were, were wrong or? Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's that's the interesting thing. And I think people are taking a lot more effort to maintain humor. Uh-huh. But it definitely wasn't like a literal translation. Oh. I, I, I feel like that's probably um, done as a joke, right? Probably. I mean, again, it's kind of like what an expression in Korean might be, might not be as humorous you know so i think i don't know i don't know if they were going for the joke it wasn't that frequent from what i saw there were just like a couple occasions here and there was like that's not what he said but (laughs) But okay (laughs) i can um, relate with uh steven yun's character who just wants to he just wants to use his cool toys like i bought this cool shit let's use it that's how i feel here's with my cool shit they just (laughs) yes you total nerd but yeah anyway but like the the story itself again like all the different elements that they're juggling like with the languages the culture um the satire the humor the cgi the everything i thought it was just so beautifully yeah done. and i mean the, the overlying message about just like you know even if you don't like if if it affected you more like it didn't really affect me as much like you know i have we have some friends who like post like, "Oh, I'm never eating meat again." I didn't have that extreme reaction. I think because like I already kind of understood the um, horrors, I guess, of factory farming. Um, mm-hmm. But kind of gets you thinking, like you know, if this isn't the solution, what is? And you know, you know, if it gets people thinking about where their meat comes from, I think that's. I think it's just yeah, a different perspective. And I personally, I've been on this journey trying to decrease <laughs> my meat consumption for a number of reasons, not just for animal rights which you know i love animals but then i've always had the perspective of like well they're put on earth to for us to eat um well that's i I want it to be done in a humane way kind of thing and that was just like from where my foundational beliefs growing up yeah um which have changed yeah like to me i'm thinking like 
okay, like I know a lot of the reason people are having such a such a big reaction is because you recognize Okja, like you recognize the Super Pig as a intelligent animal with like feelings and emoting, and you know, I think it's kind of like, like a pet. Yeah, and when an animal becomes a pet, eating it becomes way more like a crime, right? We literally could go into the Asian carp conversation. We could say that for another day, but that's what we're talking about with yeah. Keiko. Like literally it's branding. It's all psychological. Like how do you look at, how do you view this animal or this thing? If you look at it as a pet, yeah, you're not going to have any desire whatsoever to eat it. Or like, it's just, it's not going to literally physically sit well with you. Yeah. You um, Which is why you but, have like the, the corporations like, yeah, like the whole, like a, a big part of this movie is about corporate marketing. Like marketing yeah, these marketing like marketing and PR. Yeah. And like you know, on one hand, like, yeah, you're marketing this as super cute, super smart, super like eco friendly animal. And on the other hand, you're like, yeah, we're gonna make him to bacon and shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which for me, again, the real reason why I decided well, for health reasons too, just kind of understanding again, we have to kind of peel back the layers of what have we been marketed to. And again, I think now as a society, we're much we're much more sophisticated to we know, at least I think on a larger scale than yeah. ever before, that everything is trying to be sold to us, right? So as a consumer, personally, I just get pissed off when I feel like someone's trying to pull one pull one over me. Yeah. Like, I don't like it when you're treating me like I'm an idiot and I don't know what's <laughs> happening. If I am compliant with it and I enjoy meat and I'm going to eat it, that's great. But if you're trying to tell me that it's going to like save my life and it's going to cure cancer, like then I'm going to start getting <laughs> irate and be like, no, Yeah. first of all. And so that's the other thing with the environment and just like where we're at. Like that's really what actually drove me. It was for health reasons just to realize we don't need that much red meat to get protein and there's a lot of other sources. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, it's literally the carbon footprint that I was just like, I can't. Yeah, I cannot do that. That was like another joke in the, in the in the movie of the the activists like trying to minimize the guy who's so funny. He's like, I'm trying to leave the smallest footprint. Yeah, like eat this carrot. No, I can't. So much water goes into that. <laughs> it's exploitation. I was like, oh my god, I was um, dying. Let's talk really quick about the girl because I feel like she's she was so good. She was phenomenal. Yeah, but that's like child actors. Yeah, like how do you you carry a movie? That hinges on your relationship to something you can't see. Like, I wonder what she was like looking at the entire time. Like, they're that's filming, what I'm right? saying. I was like, where is this happening? <laughs> <laughs> and, but I also okay, go ahead. Oh no, no. Um, I was gonna say, and Tilda Swinton just literally like representing both sides of corporate culture, like right? the ruthless business side and the like the pretty marketing side. I thought that was really not that just forgives her for like the whole. You know all the whitewashing stuff that's happened, but like I thought she did a good job portraying those two characters. I think she did too. And again, it's see this. We've talked so much about outrage culture, and again, I will I will hold her accountable to that bad decision. I don't think she's a horrible person as a person. Mm -hmm. Granted, if her behavior, if this was like habitual, yeah. that's a different thing. Um, and again, I think. But isn't her, this a so much better thing to be in this type of movie than like to play a character that's like meant for someone right, else, right? Right. So I I don't know. We don't know if she'll have gotten yeah. any sort of meta. Is, you, you, are you woke yet to the Swinton? It. You know. I don't know. Maybe. I I get tired of just being pissed at everybody. Yeah. I'm. It's 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 a lot. So I I applaud her for the performance for sure. 
Um, but this kid, it just, she reminded me so much of just being young and, and made me kind of wistful. I was like, wow, that's, that's what imagination looks like. Cause I, as an actor, I was just looking at her with a lot of well, yeah. envy, but just like, I was just like, wow, this is really awesome to see such a dedicated actor. Yeah. And like the entire movie, she's like being taken advantage of by everyone around her. Like both emotions, really, really irate though. As like yeah. a career, like as a as like a big sister figure, I was like, well, also emotionally, smile. like his um, <laughs> like I was imagining your reaction to like the the conversation of her when her grandfather took her out into their parents' grave, and was yeah. like lecturing her about you're getting older now, you should think about getting married instead of playing with pigs, and like, well, like, I, yeah, I was torn for, but I'm getting older, so like I don't, I felt really bad for the grandpa. <laughs> I was like, I got mad at her. Well, like, I get it. Like, see, I felt for her and I was proud of her for like going after to protect Okja. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, I was like, how can you like, okay, these are we getting spoilers now? So yeah, it's yeah. Just, like, really quickly. Okay. Um, we're going to talk maybe like five minutes spoilers and then you can come, you can come back in. Come, yeah. Yeah. So skip ahead. So I, when she like, when she broke the piggy bank and all that stuff, I got, I, my heart broke for the grandfather. Like, I was like, I get you're really passionate right now, my little dear, but like, oh my <laughs> God, he raised you your whole life. Like, how can you do that? It broke my heart. Mm. Like, I was very defensive of the grandfather and I felt really bad for him. Oh. Even though I get where she's coming. In a lot of ways, I am her, you know, but <laughs> God. And it just made me like, oh, I need to call my dad and apologize. For, like, <laughs> for, for, for so many things. <laughs> for being me. Mm. <laughs> That's interesting. I was like, uh, yeah, um, yeah. That was one part that they, they, I think they, they did really well was showing the grandfather. Like, I really love the scene where they're getting dinner and then he just like pulls soju out of the floor. It's so great. <laughs> He's such a great character, and there's, there's so many. So, what I really loved that the spoiler part, the really the thing that like destroyed me mm-hmm. was at the end, the piglet. Yeah, it was so. Marvin, tell me that wasn't the most like Asian parent thing you've ever seen. <laughs> you're tell talking me about, it wasn't. You're talking about at the factory farm, like at the very end when you strip away all the marketing. It's just a factory farm where they just, you know, butcher super pigs on a factory line to make meat. And after she saves Okja, like she saves Okja, obviously, um, as they're escaping, like these two, or they're being let go, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, she bought she bought Okja. she bought Okja um, from the greedy business Swinton, pretty much, um, and um, these two parent super pigs like push their baby out the fence, and like Okja hides her hides him or her hides it under um, under her her mouth, and then yeah, it's basically like <sighs> just like cry all over again, just like yeah, the that's part of that's. That goes back to the whole, like, yeah, like, you're seeing these animals as, like, intelligent animals. They know what's going on, right? They know they're going to die. Yeah. Or they're in danger, yeah. at least. So they, like, they... They, they all cry together, like, yeah. at the very end, when Ucha's leaving, they all cry. Like, that destroyed <laughs> me. When when the mom and dad... I'm sorry, I just have a big thing with my parents. <laughs> but, like, that moment... And it was such a beautiful... And, again, not to say that... In, in like a non-Korean movie that it would, but for me as being a Korean American watching it, as being an Asian American watching that, it was such to me an Asian move. Like, yeah, 
I don't know if that that element would have been included. And I just because I'm Korean and I can imagine the director decide, making that decision in mm-hmm. the storyline. It I just started crying and I was like, <laughs> that is oh, my God. And it, it, it very and again, I'm sure it resonates with everybody. It's not like, oh, just because you're not Korean, you don't get it. Right. I'm mm-hmm. sure everybody saw that and was like, oh, my God. Moved. But, yeah, it's, it's a moving scene. It's yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. like this is the best of like cross cultural whatever, you know, yeah. storytelling. Yeah. It was beautiful. Good job on <laughs> Netflix for picking it up and letting making sure as many people see as possible. I'm kinda sad that this didn't come out in theaters because I would have loved to see this on the big screen. Right. You know? And now literally I get in my business hat and I was like, how is the distribution negotiated? Like, what is- <laughs> Well, this movie had a lot of controversy at Cannes because um, some people believed it shouldn't have been shown at Cannes because it wasn't going to be – it was picked up by Netflix before, before theatrical release. And it didn't have a theatrical release in Korea because the Korean theaters were upset that it was going to be on Netflix. So, oh. Yeah. I did not know this. So it was actually like one day it's going to be a case study on the you – know, whether or not – going straight to Netflix for a bigger budget film is a good strategy or not. And part of it is also like this. I think this was like a $50 million film, which uh-huh. like if this was going to go through the traditional studio process, it probably would have never been made because studios don't do like studios these days, green light the, the big, big budget ones, right? These like kind of more mid budget movies, they don't take as much chances for us. So you have to find different ways to, to make sure people see it. See, this is just fascinating right. to me as a fledgling filmmaker. And I know that there's <laughs> a lot out there of people who, who dabble in this yeah. in our listenership. But again, this is the fascinating part that I feel like I'm now really hungry to know and understand is yeah. like $50 million. That's like a low budget, you know? <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Well, but like, that's the reality. If you think it, about you all know? the movies coming out, like Spider-Man and Iron Man and like all the big superhero, all the big like Dunkirks, like those are all hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, I think that's kind of why you don't see as many rom-coms these days, right? Because well, they all go direct to Redbox. I feel like they're not even going direct <laughs> to Netflix. They still right. go to like, like like Redbox is still a thing, and I don't know how that how that is. Yeah. So, so like, no, there is a there is an audience for those, but um, in terms of like for the big studios to want to market and put money behind it like i guess it's harder to get so that's why that's why these deals happen so i don't know it's just it'll be interesting to see the uh, as this movie matures and as we kind of get more more data on it you know um what it says about the movie industry and what what it takes to get great movies seen because this is a movie that would have would have done great through word of mouth you know it would have done great great but like that literally i want to know numbers right yeah. well, we will never know because it wasn't put in theaters but i just again now it's kind of maybe this is the turning point for for films to say hey would you rather be in theaters which is kind of like the hallmark of hollywood right it's yeah. the way that we've all been socialized and we know that it's a big deal if you get into theaters like big freaking deal i had a short film at a theater for a film festival and it still felt like a really big deal for me emotionally (laughs) but at the same time like i don't know with netflix i'm like you you might be at you know more you might be seen literally by millions more people yeah i don't know so and maybe that's a way for you to get that next like that's how you get to direct the next fast and furious movie or something i don't know and so I want to know numbers. I'm like, so if you are in a theater versus Netflix, what are your like? What are the what are the margins of you being seen by how many people? 
Because yeah. for me, this this story is like so is is a great representation, like you said, of globalization mm-hmm. and just inter intracultural affairs. That <laughs> yeah, I I would want as many people to see that as possible. Yeah, and not have it be limited to. But then you could go theater, then to Netflix. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you guys come, you guys theater. come back now because we haven't been talking about spoilers in a while. Sorry, I forgot yeah. to uh, get the back. Hi <laughs> guys. Um, but yeah, uh, gotta love that super pig man. And and Steven Yoon, I still I love him so. And it was really sweet. Okay, just have to plug. <laughs> but it was really awesome to to be in Chicago when watching Steven Yoon on right. on this in this film. <laughs> Steven Yoon was in collaboration in Chicago, FYI, guys. Yeah. So when he used, he to, used sing, to sing, yeah, we'll get him back. His we'll, we'll get him back on stage one of these days. That'd be so great. He's seriously <laughs> one of the nicest people ever, and it was just it was it was really affirming in a lot of ways to watch somebody who's been part of collaboration and be part of this really amazing film and to see him do such a great job at it. Yeah, um, I think we we, we we went on pretty pretty long on that movie, but it's our it's our it's our movie hot takes on Okja. Um, I'm gonna wait for you till you watch because my topic would have been Spider Man, but I know you haven't watched it yet, so I'm gonna wait till you watch it. Um, before we talk I can't. About I'm going to watch takes. it soon. I mean, it's high up there on the priority. <laughs> yeah, but, but I just, okay. just want to say, just it's a movie filled with people of color, and it's a movie about high school that, like, I don't think there's been movies on high school in a while from real high school students, um, which was really great. And just like the the best friend Ned Leeds, he's played by Jacob, um, I think Batalon, um, he steals the show. Oh, love it. Yeah, yeah, I've been seeing comments on him, too. And I agree with you about the high school thing, which is what I brought up. I remember when we were talking about um, 13 Reasons Why. Uh-huh. It's just kind of that authenticity of having like real high schools or younger people and showing that part of the universe. Yeah. I don't I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I heard that. I heard a lot of good things. I recommend it. Spider-Man to everybody. Oh, it's so good. I want to watch it again. Oh, okay. <laughs> watch it. Watch it. Um, okay. The one final thought that I have about Spider-Man, which has nothing really to do with the movie, but do you, did you ever watch Friends? I caught Friends here and there, yeah. Okay. There's just a joke that Chandler Bing says that every time I hear the word Spider-Man, I think of him because it's him and Phoebe having a random conversation. It's like a one-off <laughs> conversation. And he's like, hey, how come... How come... Uh, Oh, she's, she, she asked him a question. She's like, how come there's like no gold man or whatever? She's talking about actual last names. Uh-huh. And he's like, well, there's no like Phil Spiderman. Like, <laughs> you know, there's Goldman and, and Freeman and whatever. Yeah. And she's like, there should be a gold man. And he's like, yes. And it's just like a random comment. Like every time I think, uh, every time I hear Spider-Man, I think of Phil Spiderman. <laughs> Anyway, that's a total random. Well, thing. everyone should go watch watch the Spider Man and um, watch the Spider Man. His name might be. Phil. Let us know what you might think. <laughs> it's great. I, I really, really liked it, and um, looking forward to um, chatting with you and maybe some other people about it. But uh, yes, yeah. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and dig into her mailbox. Hey everyone, it's Marvin. Thanks for hanging with us for this episode 128 of the Collabcast. Um, the Collabcast, of course, is part of Collaboration, a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in the arts and entertainment. 
discovering, developing, showcasing, and connecting the creative talents of the Asian American community in North America and beyond. You can find out more about collaboration and our programs by going to our website at www.collaboration.org. A couple quick updates from Collaboration. Um, like we mentioned in the podcast, congratulations to Austin Valencia for winning the 2017 Collaboration Chicago Showcase this past weekend. Um, Austin will be joining the other Collaboration City winners at the Collaboration Star 2017 Finale Showcase taking place this November in Los Angeles. We got two more shows coming up for the month of July. Um, next up is Collaboration SF7 taking place on Saturday, July 15, 2017 at Impact Hub Oakland. Um, this will be the city showcase for the San Francisco Bay Area. And finally, ending the month is Collaboration Los Angeles. The 2017 Collab LA showcase is taking place on Saturday, July 29th at the David Henry Huang Theater, home of the East West Players in downtown LA, Little Tokyo neighborhood. Tickets are on sale now for both shows. If you go to the featured section of the Collaboration homepage, um, again, that's www.collaboration.org, you'll be able to find the ticketing portals for both shows. Finally, this podcast is a part of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of podcasts featuring unique voices from the Asian American community. You can learn more about the collective and our podcast, all hosted by Asian Americans, uh, by going to the website www.podcastpotluck.com. Each week, I like to highlight a different podcast from the collective, and this week, I wanted to give a shout out to Books and Boba. Books and Boba is a book club podcast that I host along with my friend Riva Yu, dedicated to books written by authors of Asian and Asian American descent. We cover a wide range of genres, including contemporary, historical fiction, sci-fi, fantasy, YA, nonfiction, thrillers, graphic novels, and memoirs. Um, in addition to discussing our monthly book picks, uh, we also feature episodes going over the latest book news and new releases, um, as well as interviews with Asian American authors. If you're interested in reading more or checking out some awesome works by Asian American authors, uh, please give Books and Boba a listen. You can find Books and Boba and the other great programs of the Potluck Collective, again, by going to the website, www.podcastpotluck.com. And on that note, let's get you back to the show. Uh, thanks again for listening to the Collabcast. Uh, we'll see you later. And welcome back to the Collabcast. My name is Marvin Yue. I'm Mindy Chang. And, um, we're like very, very spokespersony today. Are we? I'm yeah, I think we're very peppy. There's like a summertime pep in our step. I guess it's because I can't see you. This is why we're doing well, you guys. It's, we're not in the same room. I know. She's not like <laughs> pointing at me, making like her <laughs> gestures. Her time, gestures. Marvin, time. Pointing at her clock and like saying, I, I would hurry up if you would talk less. Hey! <laughs> True. Um, but yeah, we're um, like we mentioned last week, uh, I dug into our mailbox um, podcast at collaboration.org and I realized we got emails that I did, wasn't getting notifications for. So um, apologies for you guys who have been waiting for a response. Um, I did type in. They've some already fallen off. Of they don't care about listening anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I felt like I, I would just chat and answer some of these questions. I'm so excited. I love I love knowing that people listen to us. <laughs> Um, first email comes from our friend Lauren Lola. Um, hello, Minji, Marvin, and guests of the week. Hello, guests. Hi, invisible guest, <laughs> Phil Spiderman. <laughs> Have you met Phil Spiderman? Apparently, that's an Asian no, name. No, he's going to be my invisible friend. <laughs> um, assuming that this episode is released on June 12th, uh, whoops. <laughs> 
Wow. Today is Sorry, Loving Lord. Day. 50 years ago, Loving versus Loving v. Virginia was decided in the Supreme Court and thus struck down laws prohibiting interracial marriage. Now, I know that this subject is a little bit out of the box from the topics I've brought to your attention in the past, but I feel that it's important to talk about it. If it weren't for Loving v. Virginia, families like mine wouldn't exist. Which brings me to ask the following questions. How did you first learn about Loving v. Virginia? And despite not being multiracial or in an interracial relationship, um, what are your thoughts about this court case? I look forward to hearing what direction you take with this one. So... For me, I think I've, I learned about the specific case fairly recently, um, like in the last couple of years or so. Um, let me I learned about it through the film. <laughs> um, I, I literally didn't, I didn't know. This is how you teach Minji stuff, make movies about it. This is why. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Tell me, what, what, what do you think I'm doing collaboration? It's because I believe full-heartedly, full-heartedly. It's a great way to, you know. But it's true. Let I mean, know what's up. Um, I learned about Vincent Chin from watching the documentary they made about it back in the late '80s, and you know, I learned about the Koreatown riots, like the the Korean side of it, um, from Saigu, the 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 documentary uh, made right after it. So, you know, movies. I learned about that through music and references to the music, and then it developed from there. Yeah. So, you know, oh. we all learn from art, even history books. Someone wrote that. Writing is technically art, right? Tis. <laughs> um, but yeah, Loving v. Virginia was the, um, was the court case that struck down, um, that made it legal for um, different races to marry each other. Because before then, I think it was like anti-miscegenation laws. Um, I may be pronouncing that incorrectly, but basically prohibited interracial relationships um so if you got married to someone outside of your quote-unquote race or ethnicity um you can get arrested for it and you know this this these rules also um made its way to media that's why you know asian dudes couldn't have love scenes with non-asian people um i think this was like Anna Mae wan's problem issue with a lot of her movies why she was wasn't cast as a lead because the lead would have um love scenes with the main white actor and it would have been illegal. They would have gotten in trouble. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, to, I guess, share my my knowledge of this court case, yeah, I did not know about this. Full disclosure, didn't know about it until the film was made. And I still haven't watched the film. I Like, I'm the worst, basically. I, <laughs> I take a really long time to watch really great pieces of art, but... Um, it did bring awareness because, like, watching the trailer and whatnot was very educational in and of itself, the three minutes that I watched. Um, I didn't know. Again, I knew, obviously, that interracial marriages were illegal because um, one of my favorite comedians and actors and producers of all time, which is Lucille Ball, um, I Love Lucy was a huge controversy just because it was an interracial marriage. I think it was the first one that was on aired on national television, on network television. Well, it was um, also, like, the first show where, like, they slept together, right? But they slept together as the first time someone was <laughs> pregnant on camera. Like Lucy, basically she just kicks ass. She gave no F's. She was just like, so this is how this story goes and it's going to be hilarious and awesome. And you know, all of America and eventually the world completely embraced it. She was like one of the most influential comedians of all time. Yeah. And what she did was very controversial at the time though, when she was creating that for the first time. So that in those ways, I knew that those those laws existed. But yeah, I didn't know that specific court case until really recently. Yeah, the surprising thing is, is so recent too. Like fifty years isn't a long time. That's like 
one or two generations like at most. <laughs> yeah. That's like our grandparents' yeah. generation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so have you, and I wanted to ask you, Mark, because I don't know this about you, but have you dated outside of your race? I haven't. Um, yeah, I haven't. But it's, it's mostly because of um, proximity to, like, I grew up in very Thank Asian you, places. <laughs> Are there any non-Asian people um, in the 66? There are. They're out there somewhere. I know, I know. We, we pushed them all out. It's white flight. They're, they all went to like, I don't know, Pasadena or something. Um, sure. But, Gentrification. Now we're going to talk about <laughs> But yeah, no, I haven't. Um, I've, dated, um, I've dated more Korean people than Chinese people, but... Um, that's a whole other topic because we could talk <laughs> about that because there's a lot of sayings within the Korean and Chinese community about who ought to date whom. Mm. Um, but at, in in regards to to the interrelation interracial relationships, like I've dated a lot of I've dated Asian and I've dated a, several not both actually. I just sound really great now, <laughs> um, but I don't judge myself. Y'all can judge. Minji um, loves love is what you need to know. So she 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 doesn't. She doesn't judge where it comes from. I mean, fine is fine is what I say. <laughs> what is it, where's it from? In uh, Hidden Figures. Oh, yeah. Janelle Monet's character. She's like, I, can appreciate I have fine. a right to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the line? Like, uh, like, I can appreciate fine in all colors or shapes. and exactly. oh, Something like that. Yeah. Something. I'm totally Amen, like misquoting. Sister. Amen. <laughs> But, um, and I do as well. I, I see fine and there's no color, there's no <laughs> boundaries there. But um, in general, though, on a serious note, I have definitely, I have definitely been influenced by my parents to like go find a nice Korean boy my entire life. Same with my grandma and they've, you know, whether they, they're conscious of anything, which I don't really think they are, and they, they've been more conscious of it because I kind of throw it back in their face a little bit. Well, you know, um, you're getting older, so now they're, like, lowering their standards, too. Yeah, no, my mom's <laughs> literally, like, whoever, just anybody. <laughs> She's at that point. But I've had to have that conversation with my mom because at one point, you know, I was really, really madly in love with a Caucasian guy. Mm-hmm. And not that we were going to get married but i just hypothetically put it out there and again i don't know i don't know who i'm gonna end up with but i hypothetically put it out there to my mom i was like well what if i ended up marrying a non-korean guy and over again over the years it would she would get more lenient i guess she would Mm -hmm. get less but then she would still bring it back and she would still she'd be like no i trust you and whoever makes you happy but there's no korean boys that make you happy (laughs) like she would always (laughs) Bring it back to that. I don't know. Mm. It's it's a tough thing. I get it. Like, it's more comfortable. For my parents, they would justify like, oh, well, it's our culture. And we want somebody that we can speak the same language as or someone that would understand us. And that, you know, that's for a lot of like generational reasons. But I mean, that's not like at the same time we talked about this before, right? Like, it's not our culture. It's not our culture. Right. To be like that. Right. You know? Right. Um, But it's tough. Yeah. You love who you love, though. I mean, I'm very much at the end of the day. It's your life. I got a couple emails asking us when we're going to actually do our next dating episode. Because we've been talking about it for a while. Well, here it is. Part of it. (laughs) (laughs) We just have a a segment at each one. Which is just, yeah. Minji's working on on, on a podcast project. So maybe maybe that'll 
that'll uh Oh, are we announcing? It. Can we do that here? <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can tease. Oh we can tease. Minji's working on, on something to be announced. It's coming out soon. She's been working on a lot of things, actually. Yeah. Short films, podcast projects. You've been, you've been hustling. Very, I'm not yes. hustling. Yes. Um, I have this creative surge. <laughs> and to answer, final thoughts on this? Well, to answer Lauren's second question, despite not being multiracial or interracial relationship, on my part at least, Minji's been in interracial relationships. What are your thoughts about this court case? I'm for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm absolutely. I mean, I think it's from good. What I know, <laughs> I think you know, there's there's different things, and this has been a, a hot topic with a lot of people. Just kind of where politics play a role, and yeah. where, but I believe that a lot of our politics play into our social norms. Like to become a complete public health nerd, let me just give you an example. <laughs> For example, back in the day, it used to be a thing where you had your newborn baby, right? A mother could give birth to her brand new child. And literally leave like the next day or so in uh, a car with no baby seat. They could sit in the front seat with them. Remember the Britney Spears controversy? Yeah. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Where she she got photographed carrying her infant child in her lap while she was driving away. Granted, she's being chased by paparazzi, but people were just like condemning her, saying like, "How dare you be so irresponsible with your child's safety?" Blah blah blah. Mind you, reverse like a, a couple decades before then, it was totally fine to do that. Yeah. It was not illegal. It was just people did it. And then it became a law that you had to have a child seat because there's infant mortality rates were like through the roof um, compared to now. So like it's, like it's just a total public health nerd thing. But policy does affect our social norms. It has a trickle down effect where we will become more acclimated, more comfortable, more used to seeing certain things. So like imagine if that law had never happened. Right. If that case had never occurred or the, it, the outcome didn't turn out the way that it did we'd be living in a completely different world right now yeah right it'd still be so, illegal for interracial marriages we probably have like some sort of state thing where some states would have illegal some states wouldn't and yeah it would it doesn't form like what type what types of media ends up being created too Right, you wouldn't have right. movies like Spider Man where you have interracial relationships d- depicted on screen and things like that. That's Zendaya, right? Um, not just Zendaya, um, but like more. There's a lot. You should, you should, okay, you should watch Spider Man. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> and just from a personal, very personal standpoint, if I were not allowed to, I mean, from a personal standpoint, I can imagine a lot of pain, and you know. Uh, I would like limited understanding too. You know, I feel like I've learned a lot from being in interracial relationships. I'm not saying that everybody needs to go out and have one, but I think having the option to, if that's a person that you're attracted to and you have things in common and want to spend time together, like, yeah, I'm very grateful that I'm able to do that. And I mean, my thing is like, I don't really personally believe that like government has a place in telling someone who they can and can't love which is why, yeah, um, it's good that this um, this ruling made it so the government couldn't tell us who we can't love. Right. Right. And Agreed. That's, that's what America's all about. Now yeah. I need to go watch this movie because it did look really amazing. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Lauren, for the email. Um, keep writing in and uh, we'll, we'll pick it up in the next mailbag. Um, next up, I ha- we have, um, let's go with. Let's go with Weiwei. Um, she wrote us a pretty long one. Um, so I'm going to pick and choose the juicy parts. Um, 
Hi, M&M. Um, this week's podcast was great. This, it's just talking about the one where we were, we were complaining about millennials not learn, knowing how to cook ramen. Um, oh, great. I just want to write in a few thoughts. Um, Marvin, you're arguing that Blue Apron and similar companies have the opportunity to increase consumer awareness of the food systems by decreasing costs. However, that argument is based in neoclassical economic theory and assumes um, ceteris paribus, where the environment, the culture, and social pressures are all equal and that people are rational. Um, side eye on rational. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's impossible to look at the real world through these lens as evidenced through behavioral economics. Um, so we live in California, Vermont, respectively, and we are spoiled by our food systems. Both states are at the top of the food system game. Beyond that, we speak as educated individuals who can afford to make these changes in their lives and want to be part mm-hmm. of this system. There's a huge majority mm-hmm. of our generation who don't know or don't think about the food system like this because they weren't, they weren't taught how to eat properly. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So given the argument that if you make it good and cheap, people will buy it, here are some arguments against that. Um, the people stick with what they know. Too often, academics, policymakers, and people who eat healthy think that access to fruit and veg equals usage of fruit and veg. Uh, but think mm. about people who have never gone swimming. Um, they avoid the beach and pools not because they dislike the option, but because they don't know how to swim. Same concept for food. Mm. Minji mentioned that fruit and veg are expensive. The fact that they are so expensive is a huge reason why millennials don't eat healthy. We don't necessarily grow up eating it because our parents couldn't afford or thought that eating at McDonald's was a sign of wealth. It's just too easy and cheap to eat poorly. People avoid those healthy options because they don't know it or know how to cook it. Yes, Blue Apron et al. provide cooking instructions, but is the food they offer culturally appropriate? I recently learned that a lot of whole wheat tortillas were going to waste in school cafeterias because parents typically don't buy it at home, so kids weren't used to it, slash didn't eat it. Same with healthy foods. People become resistant because they haven't tried it. It's not part of their culture. Culture is hugely impactful on choice living in Vermont. If you aren't part of a CSA, people look at you funny. In Springfield, Missouri, it's possible that people will look at you funny if you order Blue Apron. It's a lot easier to spend $10 to $15 on a burger that you know than a box of food that you don't. Mm. Um, and then she goes into some more stuff about pecans. But, um, Girl, getting schooled. I love this. I could um, listen to this all day. <laughs> um... But yeah, um, she makes a lot of good points. Thanks, Weiwei, for writing in. Um, and we Thank you. That was amazing. Oh, send me the, I want to see the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, um, I know like my, I was trained in economics in school. So um, when I think about economic problems, I, may, I have the assumption a lot of economists make, which is everyone is rational, which they aren't. Right? Um, <laughs> it's, it's all like, you know, in a perfect world, you know, like socialism makes sense. Right, capitalism mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Every all system makes sense in the perfect world where everyone is rational. But then you throw in like irrationality, right? When it comes, whether it comes to greed or selfishness or even just um, opportunity, like people make decisions based on their own like personal utility and their personal wants and needs, and that usually throws these systems out of whack, right? Even like 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 you said, culturally, like people fear what they don't know. So even if this you, is what, even if you tell them, oh, sorry, like, sorry, yeah, even if you tell them that this 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 is a better way, they're not going to believe you because, just because you said it, just because just because you said it, right? Right, because science said it, or because <laughs> well, that's why word of mouth is such a powerful thing. It comes from from a trusted source, right? And this uh-huh. is why, like, and this I think fundamentally, you know, over time, Marvin and I, we've had 125, 28 episodes to figure <laughs> out, you know what we think and how we think. And we're still discovering this as friends like to this day. But I think one of the, the funny 
ways to describe concretely why Marvin and I have such a unique dynamic is because he does approach everything very rationally and I'm very emotional when I go like, (laughs) and so I, I, I get where people come from, from a rational standpoint. But again, when you look at human behavior, which is what I'm really interested in and like human emotion and why I'm an actor um, and why I think that's my strong suit is because, and that's the thing, it's my, my perspective is not correct all the time at all. Um, but it's just the lens through which I look through things is that people are, they can be intellectually rational, still doesn't mean they're going to behave that way. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So I think my perspective is a mix of both that people can be aware. I think everybody in general, not everybody, but you can, you can kind of assume through basic education in 2017 that a lot of people know that certain things are good for them, right? Like, Oh, I should, you know, vegetables are good. Water is good. Less, you know, soda is not as good. Um, we should exercise. We should sleep eight hours a night, but you know, there's enough that's kind of been thrown our way to socially educate us, right? Formally and informally that those are the things that would keep us healthier, whatever, right? Like that's a good lifestyle. But then you run into Still the thing. Mean- Sorry, Claire. <laughs> yeah. But again, like it comes down to behavior. Like do people actually do those things though? Yeah. Right. And it comes down to the same exact thing that we always talking about, which is your, what your routine is and what you're used to and what you've been socialized culturally. Like if you know you're supposed to sleep eight hours a day because that helps you retain all the things that you studied your butt off for, right? For the last umpteen hours. But you're trained to be Korean and you're like, no, I'm supposed to eat my textbook and I'm supposed to, you know, (laughs) stay up until I have a nosebleed. Otherwise, I'm not committed enough to my education. Delicious. You know, yeah. like there's that, that behavior too. So I like, like, I remember being in Taiwan and being in like just amazed at like it was like 9 p.m. and kids were coming out of their cram schools. And like this is just part of like part of school. Part of being a student is to go to school, then to go to school after school and to go to another school after yes. that school. And it's just yes. it's just a given. That's what you do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like this leisure time when you bring this up to to. Even for us, like we work with interns from from Asia, specifically mostly from Korea. And part of their education, why they come to America to do this internship is to literally get a cultural education. And I've, I've been prompted by more than one person to be like, can you teach them about like how to be <laughs> more like confident in your in yourself and not and be more of a team player or like there's certain prompts that I get. They're like, we want them to learn X because this is just not how it's done right. where they live. And like, you know, how to be a team player means different things. Like for them, it's like, keep your head down, do what your leader tells you to do. Where for us, right. it's like, like tell us, like give input, tell us your perspective. And, you know, if you feel like something can be done a better way, we want to hear it. You know, just because you're right. not the leader doesn't mean you don't have something to contribute. And it's, right. yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I think for me, it just a lot of this, I mean, Wei Wei, you're a brilliant woman and I really appreciate you taking the time to write that. And I think a lot of this for me is just prompting just, yeah, the effects of, of cultural norms of socialization of what we know practically versus what we know yeah. emotionally, what we're going to stick to, what feels comfortable because and we're you, creatures of habit. And you think about um, like the lessons we learned in Okja, right? That like marketing has a lot to do with a lot of what people believe is healthy or is, you know, like branding is so important. Like think of all like the healthy stuff that isn't really healthy, right? Yeah. Like, all the, all, the, all the like the buzzwords they use like organic. Organic doesn't necessarily mean healthy. It can be organic and still terrible for you. But if it's grown without GMOs, it's it's organic, right? You can have organic butter, 
but you still shouldn't eat like a ton of that butter. Right. <laughs> but that butter is marketed as like the, like the destroyer of your health. Whereas like sugar to me, in my perspective, from when I've researched <laughs> and whatever is like sugar is a way bigger yeah. villain than butter. And they market but cane sugar, which is like, yeah, cane sugar is probably more organic and better for the environment or whatever, but, or like less chemicals, but it's still sugar. It still goes into your body and becomes, becomes there are glucose, varying degrees. Like right? not all sugars are created equal, but yes, like I, you know, this again, people made fat, like the enemy of all bad health, <laughs> right? Like everything low fat, low fat, but it was loaded with sugar. So people yeah. are still gaining weight and having health problems. So anyways, like, again, we're kind of living in this, this new age. So besides the whole millennial factor, I think one of the benefits, the thing that I think um, we can discuss openly and, and kind of assume that we all have like a baseline understanding is we're all getting marketed to you guys and everybody has their, their, uh, spin and they all have their motives, right? Um, especially corporations, we're living in capitalistic world. It, it's like, I think that there are really good companies out there who are going to profit off of improving your health. I think cooking and like those things can be good, but again, it might, it might take a good amount of time for that to be caught up with socially just because again, we're going to kind of fall back on, well, McDonald's is just my happiness. So screw you. Don't (laughs) tell me not to eat it. Um, but in any case, you know, we, my thing, cause I have a little brother, like I just want him to be educated that he's not making ignorant decisions Yeah, or, And as an adult, I just don't want him to be lazy. Like, I want him to be self-sustaining and be able to do things for himself, think for himself, Um, which also means that maybe things that I'm saying are wrong and we have to question one another, et cetera. Mm. Word. Cool. But yeah, that's a great email. Yeah, thanks. Wait wait for the email. Um, I was going to pull up a third one, but we're kind of running out of time. So uh, keep it (sighs) up, guys. Keep sending us emails. We'd love to keep reading them. Um. And um, next time Minji and I catch ourselves without a topic, we'll just pull, open up the mailbag. This is perfect. I don't need to do any work. I just need to read your emails. It's the best. <laughs> no, I love getting emails from you guys. Um, I still want to talk about my Asian carp thing, but I'll, I'll tell people when it's like. Yeah, we, we should bring on um, our new friend, Chef Charlie Shirley. Um, yeah, Shirley Chung. It. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks. Um, thanks for joining me all the way from Chicago. I'm going to let you go and start packing because you're on your way back here later this t- later today. Already packed, son. What? Growing Who up, are though. you? Who are you? <laughs> I'm an adult. See, I was afraid that once you got pre-checked, like approved, you'd just get more lazy. But this is good. This Look is- what's happening. See? Psychology. <laughs> It's like, wow, I've really got my, long time my, my list- life in order. <laughs> long I time- got pre-check. Now i got to be early. Long-time <laughs> listeners of the podcast will remember Minji's terrible um, airport protocol and habits. But apparently that's a I'm thing I'm growing, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you for being on this journey with me as I learn how to go to the airport on time. <laughs> Uh, thanks for joining us um, as always you can also get your email onto this podcast by sending it to us um, via 
our email address podcast at collaboration.org um, please do we always love to hear from you and as you see you can get yourself on the uh, on the podcast with um, and show off how smart you are how smart is our audience is very smart and very very seriously good. so smart I love it <laughs> I'm blown away it's amazing um, as always you can subscribe to us on Apple podcast uh, Google Play Music Spotify wherever you find your podcast uh, please leave us a rating review if you like what you hear uh, five stars uh, would be perfect but if you think we deserve less i understand no don't no <laughs> marvin we got to ask for what we want please give us five stars we do uh, we do our best uh thanks again to alpha for use of her songs um for our intro and outro it's off of her new album spark and fury um and yeah that'll do it thanks for listening and um yeah we'll see you all next week bye, bye guys. guys bye and nothing ever lasts can't get over this feeling